What's the most exciting and most watched sport in the United States? If you said anything else but football, you lose. Welcome to the Air Raid Attack Podcast. Nothing's more exciting than college or pro football. And when we say football, we don't mean soccer. Oh, no. We'll hang, we'll give you in-depth analysis, and you know what? Football and life have a lot in common. So you'll hear us tackle life topics sometimes, too. Right? Right! So let's do it. This is the Air Raid Attack Podcast. And here we go, here we go! And this is your host, Air Raid Mike. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast, your home of the unscripted, unfiltered, 100% authentic. And uh, we got a fun show tonight. Joining me from the In Flat, In the Flat podcast, Tony and Jordan. Guys, welcome to the Air Raid. And uh, how are you guys doing this evening? Hey, we're doing good. Thank you for having us. So we're just excited football is actually here. We can stop previewing stuff and actually talk about games that are about to happen because, um, we have done so many previews shows this this summer. Um, I'm sure people are sick of hearing about it. They just want to see some games. So we're, we're excited to be here to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to be here and talk about games with more than just Tony and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've turned it short as well. We, we, we talked enough, each other enough for sure. So, No, I'm, <clears throat> I'm definitely with you guys. Um, I've done a lot of previewing ourselves on my end and joining uh you know coach i on the fan addict sports uh podcast talking you know previewing oklahoma and <clears throat> it's time to uh time to put those pads on get to work so first things first um as we are recording this show um who knows who knows what may happen within the next hour of course conference realignment was the biggest talk of all of summer i think that even took care of of what's going on in the major league baseball i think uh, it's been the biggest discussion. Uh, of course, Oklahoma and Texas go into the SEC. Now we have Colorado going back to the Big 12, including um, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12. And then we get USC and UCLA and Oregon and and uh, Washington to the Big 10, which is still interesting. Of course, now as we are recording this, California, Stanford, and SMU are uh, considering, uh, or the ACC is considering, I should say, those three additions to those three schools when it comes to the ACC expansion. So first, so I guess best way to kick things off is Jordan, what are your thoughts on conference realignment for as we are at right now? And then of course, I want to add this to both of your guys's um, answer is Notre Dame, the biggest independent out there. I mean, probably the only one left that's really worth anything. Where do they go? Where I mean, let's just play devil's advocate. California, Stanford, and SMU. Let's just say they do go to. In fact, they'll go to the ACC. Where does Notre Dame fit into all of this uh, chaos right now? So, uh, just to start off, like conference realignment is crazy. I mean, you have all these teams now. You have we're going to have a Rutgers 
night game against USC, who's on the other side of the country. Either way, you know, you're going to watch that game. People, fans in Rutgers are going to watch USC Rutgers in USC at two in the morning. Yep. So it's kind of crazy to me, these schools that are kind of, it's, it's not regional anymore. And they're, they're going expanding like all the United States. Um, but for Notre Dame, I definitely think Big Ten is their biggest, Martin, the best bet, I think. I think the ACC is kind of slowly going away. There's a talk, There's a lot of talks of a lot of teams leaving the ACC, um, especially in the last couple, you know, even the last year, there's that magnificent seven that we're thinking about leaving the ACC. So there's a lot of things like that. I know FSU really, really wants to leave. So I think Notre Dame going to the Big Ten is probably the best bet. I think it's going to be regional a lot better for them. And they'll get the money that they're they would already be, already are getting, but the biggest thing is that's the reason Notre Dame doesn't want to leave. They're not going to go to a conference willingly, basically, is because they get so much money from their individual contracts, mm-hmm. individual NBC contracts. Under Armour can kind of do what they want to do scheduling wise. I mean, Notre Dame's schedule is brutal this year, but then you can look at Michigan's schedule, which is. And they play nobodies, and it's super easy. So I think right now Notre Dame's not going to want to join a conference unless they're kind of forced to just because of how much they get out of it. Right. Yeah, I would say for Notre Dame right now, I mean, I think Jack Swarbrick, their AD, had a press conference over in Dublin today about all the damage that realignment is doing to the sport and – you know, how it's a shame what's happening. And, and I, I agree. I mean, if you think about um, realignment, I mean, football is not thinking about the upper sports. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, we just need to go ahead and pull the plug and say football has its own thing over here. Exactly. And all the upper sports get regionalized again. And then your Rutgers volleyball doesn't have to go play USC. <laughs> and they have to fly and they have no money to do it. And how are they going to do that? You know, and I'm this, I'm worried about the rest of the sports and what we're going to do. I'm worried about Stanford, who's won the most national championships of all athletic departments, doesn't have a home right now. And and they may go to the ACC. They may go somewhere else. It's just a, it's just a shame that those kind of situations are happening. Uh, for Notre Dame, I mean – they're looking at the craziness of the, all these conference realignments. They don't want to get involved in it. They're their own boss right now. They can make their own schedule. They can do their own thing, and they don't have to worry about their conference going away or somebody else being added, their schedule being dictated. And so it's going to take a lot for them to be added in. To Jordan's point, it's going to have to be a force. Um, and really, the only conference that I can see that happen is, is the Big Ten. They're not going to go to SEC. No. Yeah, just – I think eventually we'll be broken up in between the SEC and the Big Ten. We know we're going the the two big super conferences, and you have to find your way in there, like almost like a Premier League if you follow soccer. With these are the premier programs. What I wonder about is some of these low lowly programs in the Big Ten SEC today. So like a a Northwestern or a Minnesota or a Vanderbilt, are they going to be pushed out? It would be mm-hmm. another question I have because what purpose are they serving ever than an easy win? Um, and you know, if you're going to get to a Premier League. You know, I think that's probably where we're going. You probably want the best 24 to 48 teams. You just put them in a conference and go at it, I guess, because I think that's where we're going. And I think that's probably what we're going to end up having to do just to, to kind of save the rest of the sports. No, you guys have made a good point. It's the Olympic sports with, you know, the, the basketballs, especially, you know, like the volleyballs, the softballs and the baseballs and so on and so forth. I was on, um, 
Herb and Raj podcast, and we talked about that. And the Olympic sports is, I mean, obviously the football, you know, pays the bills, as they say, across all major college football. And uh, what happens, I mean, could we, I hate saying this, but I mean, you kind of have to throw that out there because we're seeing, like Jordan said, we're seeing these regionals start to be now break up. It was local. Now we're just going across the world and, you know, USC playing Rutgers and stuff like that. When it comes to Olympic, these Olympic sports, could we eventually down the road could see maybe them just canceling just because of the money expenses? Or, I mean, is that yeah, a that's my, down the road? That's my worry is that some of these sports, like, you know, Stanford almost canceled like what, seven or eight mm-hmm. sports a couple years ago until they had some boosters come in and save them. And that was with, they were in the Pac 12 making money. What they're not in, he's like, if they're not making all the money they need to make. And as, well, my fear is all these streaming channels are starting to lose a lot of money. Yeah. So in these next contracts that these conferences want to make, they're probably not going to make the money they're making today is my thought. As they get less money and now you have to travel across country to all this, you're going to lose money. I, I just don't see how these sports can, can make it. That's why I'm saying you're going to have to figure out, they need a commissioner to figure all this yeah. out and do things, but everybody's kind of pulling their own thing, doing their solid work. And it's just making a mockery of the sport a bit to me. Yeah, I, I definitely think the college football needs to be its own entity. Yeah. It needs to come away from NCAA and be, you know, college football only. Because it, right as of where it sits right now, I mean, college football makes the most money for schools. And they are literally hurting. Like, I, I think a lot of, you know, the administrative and everything don't look at these student athletes as student athletes anymore. They make them millions of dollars a year. But they're student athletes. It's not fair for a volleyball player that is wanting a degree. They're not going to really be any. There's not so much a lot of sports outside of college. And they want a degree. And now they have to travel across country, miss classes, get stressed. There's so much to it that you know they don't think about because they're only thinking about football. No, I think that's a great point, and I know numerous of coaches, Missouri being one, I know Washington State's head coach expressed that as well. As we're looking at, uh, you know, all we're talking about is football, but we're missing the point when it comes to volleyball and, you know, softball and sports like that. Of course, we leads to the final two, if, if assuming Cal and Stanford does go, and that's Oregon State, Washington State. Mm. Where does the Pac-2 at this point, in fact, if they were other to do, in fact, leave, where does the Pac-2 go from here? We refer into Oregon State and Washington State. Do they merge with Mountain West to kind of salvage what they can, or where can we see them in the mix? I mean, anywhere? it makes it makes the most sense to probably merge with the Mountain West and just get rid of the Mountain West name and call it the Pac-12 or whatever you want, or Pac-16, whatever, right. or Pac-West or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think just because logically that makes the most sense and mm. you'll have the strongest probably – conference there i know the aac was also rumored as a potential to get some of those teams but the travel for some of those schools will still be outrageous um, and they have less money to do that so i think it makes the most sense to kind of do a merge with the mountain west i know those teams probably don't want to do that but um it's probably the best i mean some of those teams are already playing in their in in some of the olympic sports together already so it's not going to be too crazy of a moment i just feel bad for oregon state and washington state fans because both of those teams are starting to make, um, you know, some positive momentum in football and other sports, and they're starting to, you know, play better, get some good 
get better recruiting happening, get some good coaches on, on board. And now you're going to be kind of pushed down into um, the lower level almost. And what's that's going to hit back recruiting and head back feature contracts. You're going to be starting kind of back over and I just feel bad for those fans. No, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's going to be weird for those two schools. I mean, Mountain West is probably the most realistic, but then mm-hmm. when you, but I mean, I'm surprised we haven't heard a lot about them pushing to join the Big 12 or something like that. Just something other than us, like the <laughs> lesser conference. I don't know. <laughs> you know, respectfully, maybe Oregon State and Washington State will dominate the Mountain West. There's there's some good Mountain West teams out there. And but, that, that's uh, what I'm thinking is maybe they join that. Mm-hmm. They win the conference, and if the conference uh, automatic qualifier for playoffs <laughs> still exists, and hey, they get a free ride right into the playoffs every year, right? So maybe, maybe that's best for them. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I mean, at this point, you know, I'm sure that they're uh, they've got to be starting shopping, or they've got to be uh, they got to be doing something. But uh, you know, conference realignment, I'm sure, is not dead. We're gonna just keep things going and. And uh, who knows what's going to happen here in the next 24 hours. Referring to the ACC, and I can guarantee probably next summer we may have a whole bunch of um, other teams. Who knows may, what may happen once it's all said and done. Yep. Uh, moving on to the 23 Notre Dame. Of course, you guys are fighting Irish. And I'd kind of like to you know pick your guys' mind on this one simply because Notre Dame, um, you know, hasn't really been the team that everybody's been talking about simply because college football has been – all about realignment, but uh, Notre Dame's a really interesting team coming into 23. Of course, uh, you, know, you got Wake Forest's transfer, Sam Hartman coming in at quarterback, which, in my opinion, maybe you know, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts is I would say probably a massive upgrade, or at least an upgrade, if anything, towards uh, Notre Dame's offense. Uh, definitely one of the best offensive lines in the country. And your running back uh, core is pretty, pretty good and, and pretty deep in that, in that area. Receiving core, I don't know much about, so definitely fill me in. Of course, uh, Marcus Freeman uh, has got some questions, I think, on defense. That's going to um, have to be addressed. Tw- uh, recapping 22, but definitely in 23. What are you, uh, the expectations, uh, Jordan, when it comes to uh, Notre Dame football for uh, 23? Um, <clears throat> you know, expectations for Notre Dame football is that their offense is kind of going to rule their team just there just because – Sam Hartman's going to be that guy. I mean, we haven't had a, a quarterback as good as Sam Hartman in a long time. Tony says since Brady Quinn. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, with the you know Sam Hartman coming in, I think we have a decent enough receiving core to be able to handle it. I think depth right now on receiver at receivers is kind of uh, iffy, but um, offensive line, running back room um, is great. Defense, they filled a lot of holes. Marcus Freeman's in his second year as head coach. So the holes that were missing because of, you know, either transfers from last year or just Brian Kelly being not the recruiting guy that teams need nowadays, um, is going to be fully optimized. And I think Sam Hartman's bringing in a culture to match Marcus Freeman's culture to make Notre Dame just an overall better team in general um and and the biggest thing is the offseason was like you said you know, wake forest transfer sam hartman that is i think that was the biggest thing to make that leap i mean if you look at last year um 
because we didn't have a really good we didn't have a quarterback that could throw the ball 20 yards right at five yards barely five, yeah, barely <laughs> could barely see over the offensive line um like we could have notre dame should have been uh in the talk at the end of the season at least to be in the college football playoffs they should have beat ohio state they you know shouldn't have beat lost to marshall could have beat usc you know things like that without a quarterback really it really hindered them and they're, you know, last year their special teams was great. Their defense had some question marks, but I, the, the rebuilding of their defense was, you know, good this offseason. So I, I definitely see Notre Dame at least losing just hopefully not one game, but one, maybe two games just because they had, they got Ohio <laughs> State, USC, yep. and Clemson. Um, the biggest question mark in games out of that is at, it's at Clemson, a night game. It's, it's going to be tough. Um, so things like that, but, uh, no, all around, I think Notre Dame really, um, filled the holes this off season and with, especially quarterback, I think that was the biggest hole they needed to fill. And, and that's what they filled. Yeah. No, to George's point. I mean, I, I really don't feel like we've had a quarterback since Brady Quinn. It's just, we've had some decent quarterbacks that are game managers that get right. the job done. We get, get into the playoffs. What happens? We don't have the quarterback that can score the points to win those games defense could be as good as it is but it hasn't had the depth one thing i, I really appreciate over the last couple of years since marcus freeman came as a defense coordinator is he has really added depth to the defense side and now they started doing that on the offensive side since he became head coach uh, i do like sam hartman coming in with you know close to thirteen thousand passing yards in his career mm-hmm. 110 touchdowns i mean that's this he, he'll be able to make the receiver core that is young and inexperienced, I think, better in their earlier on than they probably are expected to be. Um, so I like him. And then you mentioned the running back, Audric Estime, had you know close to a thousand yards splitting time last year with Logan Diggs with LSU. Um, he has four running backs behind him that are hungry and ready to play, and they're you know they're all listed as co-starters behind a uh, co-second unit behind him. So there's four potential players behind him. All you know what top recruits that can come in and play right away. Um, so I'm interested to see what the running back does. So what I'm interested to see, Sam Harmon did all that at Wake Forest with not a great offensive line, with not as great skill talent, and not as great running backs, and now he's going to have all that with him. And I'm interested to see how what kind of un- that unlocks in his game. Um, for the receiver, you mentioned they, they're young and inexperienced. So um, the hope is that sophomore Tobias Merriweather he only had one catch for 41 yards of touchdown last year, but he's young. He's if you saw him, he'd be the guy like, okay, he fits on like an Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio state. He has that talent coming from California. Um, so that's who they're thinking. They will step up. Um, it, they have some young players, you know, in that area, Jane and Greyhouse, Braylon James, both from those, the Texas area. Um, well, well-regarded players. Rico Flores was a, was a well-regarded receiver as well. So a lot of young guys that, they, if they step up and they can produce, this could be a really unique team. On the defensive side, I would say they, they can go eight or nine deep on a defensive line. What's going to be um, really just deciding factor if this defense is, is special or not is if those guys can step up and be difference makers. Now, these guys could all be great role players, but can any of them step up to be those defensive playmakers? I think a Jordan Patello, a Gabriel Rubio, a Howard Cross, Riley Mills, Jason Ande, all those guys have the skill to take the next step. They just haven't had the opportunity yet. They all had the opportunity this year, and I'm interested to see what they do. 
the, the strength of the defense is going to be in the cornerback room. Um, Benjamin Morris had six interceptions last year as a true freshman. He comes in there with Cam Hart. Both are expected to be top draft picks when they come out in the NFL. So that's a really solid group with young freshmen that are highly regarded behind them as well. So I really, I really think this team, if they come together right, I think they could, they could do some good things this year. Jordan mentioned those three top games, Ohio State. Early in the mm-hmm. season, Ohio State right now has to figure out their quarterback situation. Their offensive line is a lot of question marks. So, you know, last year, Notre Dame lost by 11 with terrible quarterback play yep. in Columbus. This year, it goes to South Bend. They have a quarterback against a team that doesn't have a quarterback and offensive line issues. I'm kind of leaning toward Notre Dame in that one. USC is coming to South Bend as well. Um, that's, that's, I see that as more as a shootout with Caleb Williams. Um, I don't know how you – I'm sure you guys have feelings about Kelly Williams there. Uh, um, but, um, yeah. I'm you had to go there, 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 Tony. I had, had to go there, you know. Um, so I'm thinking we could take USC. Jordan mentioned the one I'm worried about would be um, definitely Clemson at night. They, they're 18-1 and one at home in the last 19 games at, at night. So uh, I'm thinking that's going to be a challenge. And I'm, mm-hmm. Nobody does that. Nobody wins there. So it's going to be a challenge there. Um, but there are some trap games in there. I think Pittsburgh is going to be a pretty good team. Defense is always good for Pittsburgh. Um, you have Duke is going to be a really good for Raleigh Leonard as quarterback and a really strong defensive unit. Mike Elko has put together there. And then there's a several little trap games right before big games, right after big games that you have to kind of worry about. But I, I'm thinking, you know, at least 11-1, is what we're hoping for in a Notre Dame perspective. Um, this because Hartman, is, we, we, we could have got a lot of those games last year if he was mm-hmm. there. So we're hoping – with a stronger, more adept team with him, that better results will happen. So, but until you actually play the games, you never know what happens. So, but that's what the hope is in South Bend. No, I'll definitely say Caleb Williams. We don't hate as much as that as Lake Riley <laughs> as Lake and Riley. Um, I'm obviously it still stings. Uh, it's funny though how there was a few Sooner fans. There wasn't many that still thought that we we uh, should claim that Heisman Trophy that Caleb Williams won last year, but. I say pass that on and move on, guys. Let's pass <laughs> on, move on. Uh, for, for, <laughs> we we will claim to anything, I guess, at this point. Navy Notre Dame, real quick, as we keep on Notre Dame, uh, as we yeah. keep on the topic of Notre Dame, previewing this weekend's game against Navy. Uh, I know Navy in the past has always been a team that could upset, you know, or at least stay in contact here and there with a few teams. Of course, a lot of new looks since. Any any chance of an upset, or is Notre Dame going to take, take care of business? Uh, on Saturday. Yeah, no, um, I, I don't think there's transfer upset. It's, it's going to be an interesting game to watch, though, as Navy has, for his first time since 2007, has a new head coach at Brian yeah. Newberry. He was a defensive coordinator last year, and, and they were actually one of the better defensive units in the country um, for Navy, um, and you know, which is hard, obviously a hard place to get players and bring and develop them, but he did a really good job with that team. Um, so I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles they put in. Um, listening you know to practice reports the things in the off season they're, they're adding some passing elements into their game um so like i'm looking at screen <laughs> passes who knows what that's going to look like because navy just doesn't pass right they, so, no they don't no <laughs> so what does that look like do they have the the quarterbacks that can make the pass i have no idea so um that's going to be an interesting wrinkle but um you know coming back last year um which is Last year, Notre Dame was up 35 to 10 against Navy. They ended up winning 35 to 32. Um, and the reason for it is um, Navy went to um, a zero blitz formation on defense. And poor um, Drew Pine just lost his soul and couldn't do anything with the football, <laughs> couldn't pass. We couldn't run anymore. It just, he just couldn't, he couldn't manage the offense, which is why 
I think we decided after that game, yeah, we're definitely going out to get a transfer quarterback because this is we can't go for this again. Uh, but yeah, I think with Sam Hartman, those types of situations won't happen. There may be some as everybody goes through in the first game, you always have those weird results in that first game. Absolutely. This one's in Dublin, Ireland. You know, it Sam Hartman's first start with this offense. How are they gonna jail? This is Navy's first start with this new head coach with this new offense. How are they going to gel? It might be a weird, ugly game at times, but I think Notre Dame should pull away and get an easy one here. No, yeah, definitely. I think Notre Dame's got this game, it, but it's it's Navy. Um, if you go through mm-hmm. and just look at you know their games every year, it's so it it's can Notre Dame can win by fifty, or Notre Dame can win by two, and, yep. and you never know which which game you're going to get. And and that's what makes, you know, the naval, you know, the naval academy, you know, the military academy schools so great to watch against a big school because you mm-hmm. don't know what you're gonna get. You might get the best naval or not, uh, military academy game ever. You never know what you're gonna get, and and that's what makes it special. And I think that's what makes this, you know, Notre Dame Navy game in Dublin so special is that you never you, you could it's probably it might be the best game of the year but it also could be Notre Dame winning by 40 points. Yep. No, and that's a great point. And that's a great point, Jordan, because, you know, a few years back, you know, Army should have won down here in Norman and went yeah, yeah. to overtime, double overtime, and we finally took away, you know, took care of the win. But, but no, that's a great point. I mean, Air Force, Army, and the Navy, they, any given Saturday, they always have that one game that, you know, not supposed to win, and they do win, and, they, they just never stop. Stuff. No, they, they don't. No, keep coming, man. If you if you left your foot off a of gas, they're gonna get back in the game. So definitely, definitely a good learning experience for a team for sure. Kind of felt bad for him. He's like poor army. These guys out here, nobody really gave him a chance, and they actually should have should have upset it. But uh, I, I noticed that was a springboard game for one's it because they kind of went on a run mm-hmm. the last couple of years after that, like this really playing really good football. So yeah, you know, definitely a good good. Good program build, you know, loss. Even in the loss there, they built the program up for that. So, Coaches on the hot seat. Um, of course, you know, I can name a few here in the Big 12 and throughout the country. But uh, are there any coaches in your guys' uh, – Tony, we'll start with you first. Coaches on the hot seat. My list is definitely uh, Steve Skarkeesian, um down in Texas. I think that um, – I think this is make or break for him. Brent Venables, I know we off off air, we talked about, you know, Oklahoma. I think even though this is his second year, uh, a lot of pressure, you know, headed into the SEC. But uh, Jim Harbaugh's name was mentioned, I know, last night's podcast on Herbin Raj, Mr. U. Uh, shout out to him. You know, he mentioned about Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, being uh, potentially on the hot seat. Jimbo, I think, in the SEC would be, definitely be – Probably the biggest, in my opinion, the probably coach of the year that uh, is definitely on the hot seat. Any coaches in your eyes, Tony, that uh, you think is on the hot seat or could be at the end of the season? Yeah, you know, from the Big 12 perspective, Neil Brown, West Virginia, um, that has been, you know, he he said it himself at the preseason. He knows this is his job's on the line this year. He's mm-hmm. going to coach like it. So I'm interested to see. I mean, he's um, he did so well at Troy, and he just it just hasn't happened in four yeah. years at West Virginia. So I'm thinking he's gone, um, but I'm hoping he he's able to turn that around a little bit there. Tony Elliott, I, I just feel like this Clemson, um, you know, that Clemson tree from Dabo is just not looking good. But Tony Elliott had a really terrible first year, but they also had a lot of stuff they dealt with. I know they had the the school shooting and things like that. So I'm thinking they're going to give him a little more time. But he if he has another terrible season like last year, that 
they may pull the plug early. You're, I'm right. You're right on with Jimbo. We we talk about him quite a bit in our podcast about somebody has as much talent as he has, and he just messes it up every single year. <laughs> I'm interested to see like how he does with um, play calling this year and and what happens there because I mean they lost a lot of players in transfer portal as well. What is that going to look like? Are they going to change the culture? Maybe because they lost the right people. I don't know. Um, for his sake, I hope that you know. I hope that's the case. Um, up here near you know Big Ten country, Mel Tucker in Michigan State, mm-hmm. they had that one really good season in 2021, 11 and two. Um, they got a really good transfers in that year, and then the every every three years, it's been terrible. So I, I and he has that long contract extension they gave him. So I don't oh. think he can afford to fire him, but. He would be on my list if he continues to have this. He's recruiting terribly. He's coaching terribly. I just don't see how he can last much longer. And and I had Brett Venables as well, just because um, I, I don't think it would happen. But I, I think that he brought in the right transfer um, people on defense. I like a lot of the transfers. They brought in defense and offense. So yeah. I think they'll they'll change things around. And they won't have that bad of a season. Uh, but I know you guys will probably get angry down there sooner land if they have another six and seven type season. So <laughs> if he has that, then he might be in trouble. So I don't know, Jordan, if you had anybody you wanted to add to um, this. <clears throat> Tom Allen, uh, Indiana. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yep. Uh, Big Ten mm-hmm. country, you know. He's 30 for 40 since starting. He started off mm-hmm. pretty hot, pretty pretty good. Tony's really high on Indiana. Um, that one year it was, then Michael Penix <laughs> got hurt, man. That's all it took. So, um, so I, I think he's on the hot seat. I don't think um, probably not like super hot during the, se- uh, during the season, but if he doesn't get better and have a better season this year, uh, and if they're on the bottom half of the Big Ten, I, I can see him getting fired at the end of the year. There's only a couple coaches I can see getting fired through the season, and Neil Brown is probably mm-hmm. the biggest. If he doesn't start decent, enough uh, over 500 in the first five games i can see him getting canned early but other than that i mean i don't think jimbo is going to be gone there's too much money in that yeah i think jim harbaugh would be safe as well just because i feel like their schedule is so easy there's no way there's no way they're going to lose any games before penn state ohio state uh, and I, I i think they have a really loaded team too so i, I um we'll see what uh penn state's head coach maybe oh james franklin james He's franklin king of 10 and 2 9 and 3 uh, i don't know he... i don't know man <laughs> yeah the two losses always the same ohio state michigan mm-hmm. every year they yeah. lose those but they win the rest so is it a successful yep. season or no nah, i don't know yeah but so. uh, those are the couple that what tony said those are the the big names that probably are on the hot seat are getting warm enough that if they don't have a good season their seats gets on fire yep. i'll shoot one that kind of came to mind um just because he's been here for so long and you know if you look over time he only had really had one really really great year and that was back in 2011 what's your guys' thoughts can mike gundy be potentially out at oklahoma state mm, that's a it's a good one i he i think he'll have a but if he does it, that's going to be make things interesting because right. he has been there a while, and he's there's been a lot of things that has pop up that players are getting mad at him. A lot of players transferred last year. I'm just interested in what the culture is like down there. What's the vibe for the players and the administration? Because I I could see it happening, but he's been there so long. He's like an institution there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like firing like a Bobby Bowden type or something like that. That's been at a, a, a school so long, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, because they I'm sure they don't want to go for another losing season, but he somehow finds 
these crazy coaches, these crazy yeah. transfers that turn things around. I don't know. I mean, what's the Oklahoma fought on Oklahoma State? Like, are, are is there expected to be a bounce back this year? Well, from the, you know, Oklahoma standpoint, a lot of people really are high on us. And rightfully so, I think. Again, uh, Oklahoma ten and uh, ten and one, ten and two, eleven and one. I think is really the 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 ceiling. Uh, nobody's talking about national championships here, probably for the first time since well, for the exception of last year, probably for the first time since uh, oh boy, what ninety nine? I would say probably was the last time that we legitimately just aren't even talking. Well, this is a national championship season, so we got that at least off our plate for once. But you know, going back to Oklahoma State, I think really the biggest key is. Now, of course, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, <clears throat> excuse me, final uh, year of Bedlam, even though it's not a rivalry when you're 92 and 19 against the other team. But, you know, no shots to issue, but that's the truth. Uh, but, you know, for Oklahoma State, it's really been, you know, can Oklahoma State finish out beating Oklahoma, something that Mike Gundy never did as a player, and he's only done it, um, what, three times as a head coach, and one of them legitimately won. The other two, if Bob Stoops had not punt the ball back to Tyreek Hill, and then you know, Lincoln Riley didn't have to give up just because he was leaving, and that was perfectly fine. But, uh, but that's that's a conspiracy theories around here. Is that I Lincoln felt like Riley... he did, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Lincoln. Um, no, I think Oklahoma State. I think really a lot more pressure this year is well, besides Brent is really Mike. I think it's the can he finish out beating the Texas and the Oklahoma and maybe try to get that Big Twelve championship, but. Again, of course, you know, they could flat out dominate the new Big 12 because, I mean, there's not a really a team once you eliminate Oklahoma and Texas. Not that we haven't been that dominant in the last few years, but, you know, maybe he does make that run and stick around. But um, Oklahoma State is really interesting. You know, they can recruit. They've been having a hard time recruiting this year. But yeah, one thing I'll give Mike Gundy's credit is he can bring in the coaches and they become move on to become really good coaches and head coaches for a few, but uh, it's interesting. I think OSU is really the team to watch, except for, you know, from a big 12 standpoint, can OU bounce back? That's the biggest question. I think that's the pressure that everybody's really, really asking right now. I definitely think can their defense bounce back? That's the, the biggest. defense was atrocious. That defense was so good the last, you know, yep. two years. And then last year they just fell apart. You know, I feel bad for Brent because, you know, he lost 30% to either transfer or, or graduation, but, you know, and I get everybody went out to L. I mean, I get that. That's not, you know, I would rather, I would live in LA too, if I could compare to Norman, but I mean, I get that, but you know, when you're ranked 123 out of 132 teams now, something like that. Yeah. That was, that was bad. So, you know, definitely, I, you know, he's getting the players in. So, Culture's changing, so I really believe this is a back is a bounce back year. If not, I got some concerns. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the point. He just got to get the right players in there because uh, I think you saw what he could do with the right players, and yep. the, the recruiting has been top notch. Mm -hmm. You know, the last couple of years with him there, so I think they'll get the player. I like Peyton Bowen, the safety coming oh, in. Oh yes, as a Notre Dame fan, he he ripped her heart out the last minute a couple <laughs> times there, so. Um, we, we have some, we have some um, feelings about him, but, um, I think he'll be one of the top safeties in the country very soon. 
Um, and I think we talked a little bit also about the offense of Jackson Arnold. I think yep. quarterback wise, you guys are set for the future. And mm-hmm. I think you're getting the right, right receivers in, good running backs in. So I think in due time, Oklahoma will be back. But then you go to SEC, what's that going to look like? What's that um, schedule dynamics going to be? How how will that change things? I'm always interested in that. We talk a little bit more about Relima is a lot of these teams that have transferred to different conferences, say like in Nebraska, uh, Miami, yep. uh, teams like that have not had success in their new conference. And so uh, I am worried about that because you're playing a different team that is not mm-hmm. – it's just different. And I, I just – I hope that doesn't impact teams in a negative way, you know. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, Oklahoma's schedule what is one of the, probably the toughest, I'm sure, next year. And and that's fine. I mean, the SEC, besides pretty exception of Vanderbilt, you, I mean, you, you got a tough team week in and week out. And, you know, Vandy's a nice, you know, weekend getaway to Nashville and have some fun and enjoy your team win and, and get out and go back home. So, no, that, Florida. they're going <laughs> to. Oh, yeah, let's hear Florida. You... And that's another one. It's Billy uh, Napier. Is oh, he on the hot seat? He's if they have be. another, he's got to be. If they have another yeah. losing season, I he's recruiting. I mean, obviously, their NIL is probably helping with that. Um, oh yeah, top five recruiting class right now, and getting a bunch of four and five star players. But if they have another losing season, I, if I'm a player, why would I want to go there after multiple losing seasons? He just does not seem to get a hold of this. Graham Mertz, we talked about this on podcast. I feel it would be the worst. And maybe I'm wrong, Graham Mertz, but he just feels like the worst college football quarterback right now at Wisconsin. He just—I just remember watching as an Notre Dame fan. We just threw back to back to back to back interceptions, and it just—he just always seemed to be inconsistent. Can never do things outside the first game he played. He just never got it together, and I just can't believe he's the quarterback they found to put in place. Uh, but he's but, a quarterback whisperer, so maybe he could fix it. I don't know. But they didn't have a quarterback in place mm-hmm. even last year. No, I mean Anthony Richardson was not what. People thought he was. He was hurt be. a lot of the year too. I think, right? So, yeah, uh, and even the backups weren't that great. So, I mean, they didn't have anyone. So maybe Graham Mertz is. The they should have got the Texas backup. What's his name? Uh, uh, Malik Hudson Card. Hut? No, uh, no, the, other the one guy. who did it transfer. Um, oh, um, you know, I forgot his name. I can uh, see his face. <laughs> him, oh. but he's like, um, yeah, I think he's a really good quarterback. If they should have put feelers out for nil. For him, if they had NIL to pass around, because there's just a lot of players out there they could have got that had more skill than Graham Burtz. I'd be surprised they settled on him. Uh, let's see. I can see his face. <laughs> it's not Malik Murphy. It is, isn't it? Is it? It's Malik Murphy. And um, I, I just feel like what I saw from him last year was really good. I actually, yeah, I think like if. A Manning was it behind um, viewers that he should he would be the future of his team, but yep. that's why I'm surprised he did a transfer and kind of see the writing on the wall. But um, I think that maybe this he's thinking maybe if there's an injury this year he can he can get some playing time. But I think he can potentially land with somebody next year and have some, some good impact. Oh, I agree. I think uh, you know I think it's another big t- big time year for Florida and a lot of angles for their whole program just in general and Bill and Napier and. Of course, that leads to the, uh, you know, of course, the preseason top 25 came out a few weeks ago, I think last week or early this week. And um, overrated, underrated teams. Uh, real quick, I'm going to breeze through the top 10. Um, if uh, And we'll go from there. Georgia, at number one. No, you know, who, who's surprised by that? Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, uh, Alabama, or Florida, Alabama. 
Number four, Alabama. Five, LSU. Six, USC. Seven, Penn State. Eight, Florida State. With Clemson at nine, Washington at ten. And then 11 through 20, we got Texas, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, Kansas State, TCU, Oregon State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma. And then finish out the top 25, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tulane, Iowa. Uh, Jordan, in that top 25 list, is there a team that you see as that's an you know as potentially overrated or rankings too high for them to start off the year? And, and if so, who is it? And vice versa to your underrated team. So and if, I, not in, and if, the, if there's an underrated team, if there's somebody that's not in the top 25, definitely um, put them in there. No, I definitely think, and, and I mean, I think we talked, me and Tony talked about this before. Um, I may be wrong, but Washington, I think Washington's over, yep. overhyped right now. I don't know why it is, but I just think, I know why they just, I don't know. They didn't show much last, like so much last year to make them seem like they're you know people have them in their top four to end the season i i just mm-hmm. don't know if washington's that team this year i think they're kind of like that you know fourth team maybe but they're all their defense i i still have question marks on their defense and i still have question marks on michael Penix jr on if he can stay healthy if he can be that guy that's my uh overrated my underrated is Notre Dame? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my underrated is probably Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is going to be a lot better than 19 this year. I think, you know, with their new head coach, new system, new everything, I think they're going to have a lot better of a season than being 19th on this list. I could see them finishing in the top 10, maybe. I could see them somehow getting to the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. And, and that's how high I am on Wisconsin right now. I just think they're a little better than what people give credit to them for. Um, for me, overrated, I, I want to say Texas, um, just because I feel like every year it's the same story. Texas is back. Texas has all this talent. There's no way they're not going to be in it at the end. And then they get eight and four season. And then it's, you know, it's it for Texas being back. They they may have all the pieces, right? They have Quinn Ewers. They have the they have the wide receivers. One mm-hmm. of the some of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, they have some good talented young um, running backs. Um, I I just got to see them put it all together because like they had a lot of these pieces last year and they would they they didn't do as well. I know Quinn Ewers had some injuries last year, but they had the same players last year and they underperformed. Are they going to now suddenly take that step? I want to see it. So until I see it, they're going to list them as overrated. Another one on overrated, just to call him out, is uh, USC. Um, I think they and they'll have, but a lot of people are putting them in the playoff, and like I, I just, they don't have the depth yet on defense. They had an injury this week on their D line, who was a starter, so they're already starting to head the hit already on that on that depth pieces. Now Caleb Williams win them a bunch of games, but they're going to go in a crazy stretch where they have to play like. Um, Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, five of the last six weeks. And that's just a tough stretch. I don't see them going unscathed. They lost both times to Utah last year. I think they're going to lose to Notre Dame this year, potentially to like an Oregon. I, I just, I know this team is going to be great offensively, but as you saw against the two lane game, that defense, they didn't, they didn't fire a defense coordinator. They kept them. And no fits the Oklahoma teams of the past. I feel like this is Licker Riley style. They play really high level offense, but they don't do enough on defense to to stop in the big games. And so um, I, I think that's going to come back and bite them there. 
As far as underrated, I have Duke um, underrated. I, I really love quarterback Raleigh Leonard. Uh, last year, he had 33 touchdowns to only six interceptions. They scored 32.8 points a game last year, which is only behind Clemson, North Carolina, and Wake Forest. Um, they Their defense was really good. Mike Elko, obviously, former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and Texas A&M, knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. And they um, they did they held opponents to 22.1 points a game last year. I really I like that they have a lot of those players back, um, and they're going to be a dangerous team. They have a tough schedule, so they may you know they may end up in the same as they were last year. But I I don't think it's going to be like blowout fashion. I think any game they lose is going to be a close game, and I feel like they're going to be a tough out for anybody they play. So that would be my underrated team there. Would Would it be wrong to say overrated? Uh, Michigan is overrated. That's yeah. That's what I, was, I was about to say Penn mm-hmm. State as well. Yeah, uh, everybody loves those teams. I, I want to see Drew Aller actually do it at Penn State. Yep. Um, they're they're already saying he's much better quarterback than he had in the past, but he hasn't played it down. And I I want to see this guy actually go out there and mm-hmm. and play a start a whole game, play it and three four hundred yards or whatever they think he's going to do. Now the running back tandem, I love. They have a really good defense. Um, but they can't, they just can't beat Ohio State and Michigan year after year. Last year, they had a big lead against Ohio State. They lost it. They got blew out by Michigan. I, I just, I, again, I got to see it. I just don't think James Franklin has it in him to beat it's those a, teams. It's the Franklin curse. It is. Yeah. But Michigan, uh, man, I just don't know what to think about Michigan. They have all the pieces back. They hit the transfer portal really well. They have a really easy schedule. Um, I, I, I would be not surprised at all if they go undefeated against that schedule. They really don't play anybody for the first, like, eight weeks. Mm-mm. And it's just um, – it's them and Georgia's schedule is just crazy to me looking at them, how terrible they are compared to – these are teams that were in a playoff last year, and they get to this play this easy schedule. That's one thing I'm looking forward to with realignment, that there won't yep. be schedules like this in SEC that – we looked for a lot of the schedules in SEC when they were SEC preview. And they're just were so easy. They play four, like – FCS teams and it's just like and they don't get they get away with it because they're in such a strong conference because yep. of the SEC and I, I just think it's 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 crazy to me but that's my own personal opinion. <laughs> no, absolutely, I'm with you. And, and on my end, you know, I know people are like, well, that's not a surprise. You know, you fan. I would definitely say Texas because I mean, again, you know, we're going back to this. You know, since 2010, they've only they've had a um, they've had one 10 plus win season. And that was Tom Herman and uh, what was back in 2018 when Sam Ellinger had to be the guy on the mic saying that we're back. And the following years, you know, that was obviously not the truth. So, you know, you have one 10 win season since 2010 or at least the beginning of the 2010 season. You've only had one 10 win season every year. As you mentioned, every year that constantly doing this, Texas is back garbage and and the real question is just like and just like Oklahoma, but in different aspect. If if not now, when? You know, for Texas, when it comes to lining up, you got uh, Quinn Harris coming back. Of course, Arch Manning. You know, the so-called fe- quarterback of the future. You bring in. You you still got uh, Xavier Worthy, one of the best receivers in the country. Um, Sanders, one of the up and coming tight ends in the country, and and then, of course, you know you got your whole offensive line coming back. And then, you know, you look at defensively. You know, Jalen Ford, one of the best in the Big 12 defensive players. So you look at it, and of course, you know, Sarkeesian did wonderful in the transfer portal, um, bringing in, I believe, two defensive backs and a receiver. And that's that's good because, you know, again, you got a running back core that's going to lose, obviously, B. John Robinson that lost to the draft. And that's a big-time loss. But, um, you know, 
again, it goes back to that is, you know, schedule lines up perfect. Well, non-conference wise, you got Alabama, which is going to be a tough one in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I don't see them winning that, but Alabama is having a quarterback issue that we really don't know what route they're going to go. Um, and yep. then uh, underrated, I'm going to go out on the limb and keep it in Big 12 country, and I'm just going to go Kansas State. Um, Chris, uh, I, I always butcher his Klein. last name, Clyde. Uh, Clyman is a phenomenal coach, did well at Austin, North Dakota State, won many national championships, and has done phenomenal at Kansas State. You know, Oklahoma can't beat him. Um, that's pretty impressive if you, you're coming in, but – you know, obviously they got to replace Deuce Vaughn, and yeah. um, you know that's a that's a big loss. But you know, I like Will Howard, an up and coming Big Twelve uh, quarterback, and you got uh, Cooper Beebe. I think it's how you say his name, BB, I guess. Um, as the offense <laughs> led by the offensive line, as my chair goes back. But uh, <laughs> you know, defensively, you know they got some places. But I wouldn't be surprised if they really make a run in the Big Twelve and then kind of sneak in into that mix towards the end. It depends on how the season plays out. So Texas definitely, Kansas State. USC, I think, is going to be a whole lot better. And I think I know, you know, we always go with the OU route's going to go. But USC, regardless of what Lincoln Riley does and doesn't do, he can't he can't um, outdo you because his defense, you know, he'll win by points, but unless you're Utah. Um, but um, – you know, if he can, if, if Lincoln Riley can fix that defensive coordinator position with Alex Grinch and get a somebody that can actually coach, he would be a heck of a head coach from all angles. Um, offensively, he's a genius. I, I, I got to give him props on that. Yeah. Um, but that defense is, is just his biggest kryptonite. And I wonder if it's because of the offense he plays, you know, like it. It's gonna have something to do with it, but I, I was surprised he didn't fire Alex Grinch. I, I think maybe yeah. he thought maybe there'll be more improvement in year two, and maybe there will be. Um, I just had Alex Grinch just hasn't been good for a while um, since Ohio State, mm-hmm. so um, you know you got to think it's it's. I hope he would make a change. There's a lot of good defensive coordinators out there. And to your point, if he can fix that side of the ball and improve defensive recruiting, I think the biggest thing is offensive line and defensive line recruiting. They they're still missing on those guys. They get all the – they always will get the quarterback in USC. They're always going to get their wide receivers. They're always going to get the cornerbacks. But they, they've been – they haven't had the defensive offensive line in a while, and he needs to really focus on that. If he can focus on that, I mean, that's a, definitely a team that can you don't want to be playing in the years to come for sure. Um, Tony, I'm surprised you didn't say Auburn. Underrated. Ooh, underrated team, Auburn. Freeze. I, I do think they're like a kind mm. of a dark horse candidate. I, I – um, I really like what he's doing as far as the transfer portal getting. I don't know about the quarterback this year, Peyton Thorn, but um, I think he's definitely getting the right pieces on the recruiting side, the transfer side. I like the Ohio State transfer, um, Caleb Burton at wide receiver. Uh, I think he'll be able to do some things there. I, I think he was always able to win, always able to beat Alabama. So I think they're going to do some yep. damage down the road this year. They, they probably will surprise a couple of teams. Um, you know, may not be the best record wise, maybe. Eight and four, nine and three type of season, but that I think Auburn would take that after the last couple of years that they've had. I want to ask you guys a real simple question. I want to do this for the honor of Herbert Raj, their uh, podcast, Bama fans um, for life. But they've always talked about the quarterback controversy, not really controversy, but the quarterback battle that is happening in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and um, you know, I went out and said Ty Simpson, probably in my opinion, 
You know, I like his speed. I think, you know, that kind of helps with they can bring to the table um, with Simpson. But um, who do you guys have? Can Tyler Buckner uh, take over Jalen Milrow or is it Simpson? Um, Who do you guys have as Alabama's starting quarterback? Um, So, yeah, I've been kind of monitoring that battle. And, you know, if you depending on who who you read or who you got, everybody, there's a different person that has one practice, Mm -hmm. whether it's Jalen Milrow, Tyler or Tyler Buckner. Honestly, I think neither – one of those three is going to get the job done from what I've seen. Tyler Buckner is just not consistent enough. And I don't think, I don't think Nick Saban's going to like that. I think he's going to throw way too many picks. And his problem really is he needs a lot more. I just don't think Alabama's a fit. He's a lot more playing time and more ex- time to build that experience. He, his high school year um, was canceled during COVID his senior year. Right. So he didn't play. He didn't play his freshman year. He backed up um, in Notre Dame and then he got hurt last year so he's played in a couple games in three years he just needs consistency to go out there and get experience i don't think he's going to get a chance to do that at alabama Jalen moreau is this a great runner he's more like a Jalen hurts type um mm-hmm. but he just his he's like he, he turns the ball over way too much i think i read that 10 percent of the time he's out there it was a turnover and that's like compared to like what three percent or or something small number that bryce young had so again you compare that it's gonna be tough and I, I just don't feel like Ty Simpson is taking that job like he. We I think a lot of people thought he would. I actually, yeah, I think they'll start with Jalen Moreau, but I think the the person to watch throughout the season is Dylan Longere, um, or however pronounced it. I think I have it right. It just seems from listening that he has been having the best performance, but he's just so young. He's a true freshman. And I know Nick Saber probably doesn't want to throw him out, but if you think back to like Tua, where you threw him out towards the end of the season, yep. I think he's going to be saving him for a time where they're going to need to throw somebody in to get a spark. And if he gives him that spark, he's going to take that job and run with it. So that's my opinion there. No, yeah, definitely. I think, I think the three quarterback, you know, battle. It, it Tyler Buckner. Watching him at Notre Dame. I mean, we we went to the spring game and watched him at the spring game. Oh man, he could have he could have completed a pass in spring game. He so. looks so bad, man. And like, I remember Milro when he came in for Bryce Young that one time. Everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. He's so fast." And then, you know, he started being Texas A&M game. It was yeah. it was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being into consistent passing, and I just think Ty Simpson just hasn't had experience. Right. He played – he attempted five passes last season. Uh, he, missed, he completed four of the five and had 35 yards. I think if – he just doesn't have experience. I think that's the biggest thing Notre Dame – or not Notre Dame, Alabama has, doesn't have right now, is a quarterback that's experienced. The, the most – I mean, you have Tyler Buckner who played two games last year, sat out, you know, the year before. And then Milrow, he played the two. Or was it two games last year? A game and a half. Played off and on, yeah. I, yeah. I think he only he tries most. Yeah. He was 30, uh, 31 for fifty three with two hundred ninety seven yards, but had five touchdowns and three interceptions. So, like you said, Tony, like in practice inconsistency, and mm-hmm. I think, I think Nick Saban is. It sucks that he doesn't have a backup from having. You know, you're going from one of the best quarterbacks in college football to now going to a probably a third to the second, maybe probably third string quarterback to be your oh, starter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I yeah. think Nick Saban's not going to like that. And I think, I think we're going to see early the young guy 
than later. Yeah, I just don't see. Like, I'm surprised they didn't get somebody else in transfer portal over than Tyler Buckner. But I, you know, I know they tried Tyler Van Dyke from Miami and others. So um, I think they offered Sam Hartman a lot of money too, but mm-hmm. he turned it down. So I, I, you know, I think if they had Sam Hartman on this team, this national championship. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, because that's their one weakness. Their defense is loaded. Their offensive line is loaded. Their running back room is loaded. The receiver, I, I'm a little worried about. They haven't really restocked that as well as they could have. So a quarterback wide receiver combo is a little worrisome. And that's, I'm thinking they may lose the Texas week mm-hmm. two. Um, that's a one game I'm watching. I'm wondering yeah. second half they're losing. That's where I'm wondering, does he throw in the young freshman to see what he's got if they're losing and they don't need a spark. Now Jalen Monroe or Tyler Buckner, the one thing they can do is they can run when things break down. And so that's why I think they might one of those two right start the season because Ty Simpson doesn't have that in him. Um, and he hasn't been consistent of passing. So if you're going to get inconsistent passing, at least put some athletes in there that can get you a first yeah. down. And I think they're probably just out, out talent a lot of teams this year. But I just don't know what I just don't know what to think of Alabama this year. No, I think that's the biggest question is what what there's no identity. We can't really grasp what kind of Alabama team that this is going to be from years past of Nick Saban. Of course, that, that leads to a simple question on this one as we wrap up, go down the home stretch in the next few minutes. Um is the Alabama what we always hear Alabama dynasty? Is the dynasty in Alabama uh, over, and is it now Georgia's? Is Georgia the next uh, Alabama that we're seeing here as as they are uh, the reigning back to back national champions? Yeah, uh, definitely. Alabama's dynasty is slowly coming yep. to an end. Probably not an end end like everybody like oh it's just going to end. Right. Nah, they, I think they got like another couple years in them, but I think Georgia's taking over that dynasty. And being that SEC powerhouse team that you're striving to beat, because now they're getting the recruits. Now they're developing these players. Half their off, half their defense is going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so Georgia is becoming that Alabama. Um, if Alabama doesn't win the national championship this year, I think it's Nick Nick Saban's like first year since coaching at Alabama that he hasn't. One like three years, a national three championship years, yeah. game in three a three year span, yep, or two year and yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think Alabama's dynasty is over unless they somehow and it's Alabama and it's Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to happen, but somehow get a quarterback. <laughs> get a quarterback. Well, here's the thing for Alabama. <laughs> I think they'll be back next year. I think they're going to oh, take yeah. a one year off. But that that defense is loaded with young talent. Um. Um, Keon Keeley, young defensive lineman, again reported re- stolen from Notre Dame. Um, but got him and got Caleb Downs, a safety. Um, got a lot of young players back there that probably will get some learning pains this year. Um, but they're gonna be loaded next year. And then the, the wide receiver, the quarterbacks they have coming in the next couple years are gonna be elite. And I think Dylan Longeren is gonna be a really good quarterback for him as well. And so I think, yeah, it might be one year off here. And then they they come back with a title, one or two titles in the next five years, mm-hmm. before Nick Saber retires. And then I think by that point it's, it's George's, and hopefully somebody will step up and challenge him because I, I think it's kind of a boring sport if there's just one team that. What I don't enjoy now about is like all recruits go to one or two places, exactly. And then yeah. we all all the other teams really have no shot, and so I hate that. I wish it was a little more parity. So I'm hoping that eventually comes, especially because one you know you got the one or two teams that get them. Mm-hmm. And then all these other schools are waiting until the year after where they're going to transfer. And now it's like you're, it's just weird. 
you were in that weird time in college football where it's like you have it's more transfers nowadays than recruiting. Yeah, yeah I missed. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I missed the old transfer rules where you transfer, you got to sit out the year. But different times, and I get it's all about the money, and I I totally get it. So, yeah. final question as we are wrapping up uh, playoff predictions. You know, we can't we can't talk college football without the final final uh, final year of not just the final four, but uh, the um, before the expansion. But uh, final four predictions on my end, I got uh, uh, Georgia, USC, Ohio, um, Michigan and um, Texas, as much as I hate saying that. Mm. OK, um, I have Georgia. I have um, LSU. I feel like SEC will Ooh. get two teams in. I just think a lot of different conferences will kind of beat each other up. Um, I have Michigan, um, and, and it's not a homer pick, but I got Notre Dame in the Final Four. Um, I can see that. Because I do think Sam Hartman will make a difference there. I do have Georgia winning um, for a yes. in a row. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's a surprise there. So, so uh, for me, I have Georgia, Michigan. I, I'm – I'm with Tony on Notre Dame. I think if they could get through those three games, it's going to be mm-hmm. the biggest thing. But I'm so long. I'm so to- I'm a toss up because I'm a huge Florida State Jordan Travis guy. I think he's he's going to do a, have a great season. But also LSU is just LSU right now. I'm going with Florida State. I'm changing it up. I like. I'm that. going with Florida State. I think Jordan Travis is going to have a better season. And, and really though, the LSU Florida State, it's going to come down to this. Week one matchup mm-hmm. against LSU, Florida State. Whoever wins that game, I think is going to go in. It's going to be in the college football playoff. But it, it's, it's a toss up. LSU or Florida State? I can't choose. It's so <laughs> it's so hard. So what Jordan is saying is, whoever wins that game is going to be his final. Uh, That's right. Fourth team. Yep. It's going to be a play in for Jordan's <laughs> final pick there. So. Yeah, before I bet on it, I got <laughs> yeah. to have this play in game first, all right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the air raid. Tony and Jordan, thank you so much uh, for coming on, talking some college football, and uh, it was a fun, fun show. Yeah, yes, sir. Thank you for on. having us. Follow along with us, guys, in the flat pod, and and this one was a fun. We will definitely follow on the rest of the season too, Mike. So appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. You've been listening to the Air Raid Tech Podcast. Listen to us on all major podcast platforms. We'll be back same time, same place next week. You all have a wonderful weekend. Take care. You've been listening to the Air Raid Attack Podcast. Sports, life stories, general topics, but mainly football. Can you blame us? Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you had as much fun as we did. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter at Air Raid Podcast and on YouTube and Facebook at Air Raid Attack Podcast. See you next time at your home of the unfiltered, unscripted, 100% authentic Air Raid Attack Podcast. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go!